Are we ready to open next month? I think so. You think so? Well, it's complicated. Fire protection, first aid supplies, uniforms, safety training, mat services. Oh, and restroom supplies. So uncomplicated. Call Sent Us. They'll handle all of it. Wow. One company can handle all that? That's not very complicated. So, you'll be ready? Oh, we'll be ready. Oh, I'm ready! Learn how CentOS can help you get ready for the workday. Visit CentOS.com. Hey, folks, it's Greg Allman with the Tampa Bay Times and TampaBay.com back here on the Locked on Bucks podcast. Uh, coming to you on a Tuesday. Uh, actually took Monday off for the holiday. Uh, sorry to do that. We'd gone, uh, whatever, 21 weeks without a uh, break from the weekday stretch there. But I uh, want to recap uh, Saturday's game at New Orleans and a disappointing loss for the Bucks. Uh, lots to get to in terms of ramifications and stuff like that. Uh, you know, Buccaneers went into this weekend hopeful uh, that they'd win and be in a position to clinch something or keep their playoff hopes going. And Saturday, as things unfolded, all the early games just went completely the opposite of the way the Bucks needed. Uh, Packers won, Redskins won, uh, Lions uh, were still waiting to play. But uh, everybody that, that was supposed to win to uh, help the Bucks lost, and everyone that was supposed to lose won. So uh, Buccaneers found themselves where, you know, we, we kind of realized as the game started that the Saints were eliminated, and the Bucks would all but be eliminated if they lost the game. Uh, and, of course, the Bucks did take a 31-24 loss. Uh, a frustrating game. Uh, I think we knew that the Saints would be better than they were two weeks ago in that first game, in that 16-11 win, uh, and that Drew Brees would be tough to contain. Uh, but frustrating on a couple different levels for the Bucks. Uh Had some turnover issues again. Uh, even when it looked like they had an opening, uh, I, I thought the big key in the game was uh, after they had pulled back within a touchdown late, uh, first play from the 25-yard line, uh, Breeze throws it to Kobe Fleener, and he catches it as he's turning. Quan Alexander hits him just right. Ball pops loose. Bucks get the ball. Looks like a turnover right there by the red zone. Bucks in position to maybe get the ball and tie the game with a short field. Uh, and unfortunately, the uh, play was challenged, and the review, uh, the replay review, uh, decided that it was not a catch and was an incomplete pass. And again. Uh, we've gone on and on about the NFL and what is a catch and what isn't a catch. It certainly looked to me like he had possession and had kind of shifted to make a football move upfield. Uh, but they decided he hadn't. And as a result, instead of a turnover, they're able to move down the field and uh, extend their lead with a field goal at that point. So uh, tough to see one get away. The Bucks have had a couple games this year where one side hasn't played well or another side hasn't played well, and they've lost a close game. So here, you know, the Bucks get... Uh, are down 10, get a field goal with enough time left where if they had gotten a, a stop, uh, could have got the ball back with a chance to tie the game, send it to overtime, win there. And it just didn't happen. Uh, couldn't stop the Saints from, from running things out and getting the first down to win the game. So uh, frustrating because this is a game that could have set the Bucks up for so much more than they'll have. Uh, but they still come home now and can they play Carolina here on Sunday. Uh, win would make them 9-7. and seven. Uh, again, first winning record for them uh, since 2010. Uh, so a long time ago. And again, if you sit here and step back, uh, I think most people listening to this, if we'd said in August that the Bucks are going to go 9-7 and seven, uh, and get some big wins against teams like Seattle and Kansas City and Atlanta, uh, go 4-2 and two in the division, I think most people would probably have taken that happily. Uh, I went into the year thinking that they were either an 8-8 eight eight or a 9-7 and seven team, and I couldn't tell which one. I thought they'd be better, but not a playoff team. 
Uh, and unfortunately, that's kind of been what they've been. Um, I think this week and this game against Carolina can be really important just because it, it changes the storyline for the end of the year. If they lose, uh, it's very much going to be, wow, they lost four in a row to end the 2015 season when they had so much in play. And in 2016, they lost three in a row when they had so much in play. So you'd have a team that's gone one and seven in their last four games over the last two seasons. And even if they do well next year, even if they're out there at eight and four or something, uh, what we're going to be wondering is, is this going to happen again? Are the Bucks going to collapse again? What can they do to avoid that late slide that's, that's killed them two years in a row? But if they can win this, uh, then they're two and two in their last four. Um, you know, they missed out, but they would have uh, swept Carolina, would be four and two in the division. Uh, for them to go from two and 14 to six and 10 to nine and seven in a three-year cycle is, is a pretty strong positive trend. And I would think most people will then take them to be a team that will continue that upward momentum. They'll be picked to be a playoff team next year. Uh, they'll have a chance to hit some of their weak spots in the offseason, whether it be free agency or the draft, and shore some things up there. Uh, and again, the rest of the division does too, don't get me wrong. But I do think there's a big difference between a loss and a win for the Bucks, even though they've essentially put themselves out of playoff contention. Uh, I do want to mention that because it's fairly complicated and something you guys ask a lot about. The Bucks are mathematically alive for the playoffs. Uh, it looked like as the game ended, I thought the Bucks were out. The Bucks thought the Bucks were out. New York Times thought the Bucks were out. And literally before we even got to the locker room, we were trying to figure out if there was a scenario where they got in. Um, these NFL tiebreakers are really complicated because there's many different comp- complicated tiebreakers that can be involved a lot of moving pieces, um, and what we had forgotten, uh, at least for maybe an hour, was the possibility of uh, a tie. And, it, and honestly, there was initially, uh, just after in an hour after the game, there was a possibility where it looked like the Bucks didn't need a tie, and they just needed a specific list of 10 different outcomes for them to get in. And uh, again, before Saturday night was even over, Christmas Eve still, uh, the Bengals lost to the Texans, and it looked like that had, again, eliminated the Bucs. And then we realized, okay, well, there's an option where there's a tie that actually benefits the Bucs. And it seems ludicrous to need a tie as part of a playoff scenario. There have been two ties in the NFL in, uh, whatever it is, 240 games this season. So one of every 120 games is a tie, let alone a Week 17 game between two playoff teams that need to win. So, yes, mathematically, the Bucs are alive. And I'll lay out the scenarios for what they need to make the playoffs. Uh, it's fairly impossible. I think ESPN put it at about a one in sixty thousand chance, um, which is crazy. But uh, what the, obviously the Bucks need to win against Carolina on Sunday. Uh, the Bucks need the Packers to lose to the Lions, um, and that went against kind of what we thought for a while. Um, the Lions were the better team for the Bucks to go into the tiebreak against as long as the Bucks did well. Um, when the Bucks lost to New Orleans, what happens in one of the early tiebreakers is called record against common opponents. And the Lions and the Bucks have five common opponents. Um, we were thinking that as long as the Lions lose to the Cowboys on Monday night, the Bucks would be okay there. But what we should have probably accounted for a little better is that the Saints are also in that group. So when the Bucks lost to the Saints on Saturday, that's a common loss 
in that tiebreaker with the Lions. So the Lions had actually clinched that tiebreaker, whether they beat the Cowboys or not. The Bucks were two and three in those games. Lions couldn't be worse than three and two. So all of a sudden, it shifts from models where the Bucks want to line up with the Lions as a tiebreaker to models where the Bucks need to line up with the Packers. Um, and what we figured out is that there's actually a single scenario. Uh, at the time, they needed nine things to happen. Now it's only seven, which is kind of like saying uh, it's a 200-foot shot that you have to make in golf to win the tournament to it's a 180-foot shot to make uh, to make the shot and hold it to win the tournament. Um, like I said, Bucks have to win. Uh, Bucks need the Lions to beat the Packers, which gives the Lions the NFC North. Uh, the Bucks need the Cowboys to, uh, and then uh, there's a whole bunch of other things I have to lay out here. The trickiest part is that the Bucks need the Redskins and Giants to tie. Again, it's ridiculously unlikely to happen. But if they do that, uh, the Bucks, Packers, and Redskins fall into a three-way tie for the last wild card. Uh, the Redskins, by virtue of that tie, would have a worse conference record. So they get kicked out, and it comes down to a Bucks packers tiebreak. And we've talked about this a fair amount, but what the tiebreak that, that comes into play is is called strength of victory, and, and it measures the combined record of all the teams that you beat in the course of the season. So the nine games the Bucks won, those nine teams, their records combined against the nine games that the Packers won. And what's tricky is that some of the things the Bucks need to get into that tiebreaker are bad in that tiebreaker. When the Bucks beat the Panthers, okay, toward that tiebreaker, that's a team the Bucks beat twice losing a game. So they take a hit there. They need the Lions to beat the Packers, okay? But when they do that, that's a game that the Lions are a team the Packers beat. So that's a win for a team the Packers beat. It helps the, the Packers strength the victory, and the other thing hurts the Bucks' strength, strength of victory. So basically every other game that impacts those two teams' strength of victories has to fall the Bucks' way. And that means the Titans have to beat the Texans and the Colts have to beat the Jaguars, okay? And the 49ers have to beat the Seahawks and the Cowboys have to beat the Eagles. And I know you're sitting there going, why is a game between two AFC teams matter toward the NFC playoffs? And it, it just it does toward this tiebreaker. You get this ripple effect where any game that a team in this tiebreaker played matters toward that tiebreaker. So, again, you want the Titans to beat the Texans because the Packers have beaten the Texans. So it would hurt the Bucks if the Texans won. So you have to root for the Titans, you have to root for the Colts, you have to root for the Cowboys, you have to root for the 49ers. All four of those have to play out in addition to correctly landing a tie. And I can't say how impossible that is. Uh, but again, uh, there is a single scenario the Bucks can root for. It's kind of a point of amusement as much as anything else right now. But the Bucks are mathematically alive. To me, it's a neat thing that they can go into their last game knowing they're still alive for the playoffs. That's, that's something that not many teams, I think there's 16 teams in the NFC, uh, seven of them, eight of them, eight of them right now are still alive for the postseason, and two of them are going to walk away. But... Anyway, uh, that's kind of complicated, but I want to make sure we've kind of laid that out as plainly as we can without scratch paper and, and PowerPoint presentations and all that kind of silliness. Uh, need to talk about Doug Martin here, and that the big news from Saturday's game was that the Bucks surprised us and made Doug Martin inactive. Uh, I had a story that ran in Friday's paper uh, talking about how Doug Martin was running hard, and even though the numbers made Doug Martin look like a really bad running back, 
uh, you know, worst running back in the NFL this year in terms of yards per carry for anybody with a thousand yards. Uh, second worst running back in Bucks history, given a hundred carries in terms of yards per carry, and second worst in the NFL in the last ten years. So again, really bad season for Doug Martin. But they have gone out of their way to say no. Doug's running hard. Doug's doing the right things. We have no complaints with Doug. We need better blocking in front of him. We need better support for him. Um, that's the coach is saying that. That's the play, player saying that. And then uh, hour and a half for kickoff on Saturday, uh, Doug Martin's inactive, which kind of says, ah, actually, now that we look at it, uh, maybe it was Doug. Uh, so Jacques Rogers, who had been inactive the week before, who had had two carries for zero yards against the Saints two weeks earlier, is suddenly the better option for them in their eyes, uh, which a lot of people would have said all along. I mean, people saw the way Doug Jacques, Jacques Rogers went into Saturday's game as the Bucks' leading rusher in yards, despite having 47 fewer carries than Doug Martin. So you got one guy who's averaging 2.9 yards a carry. you got one guy who's averaging 4.4 yards a carry, and they're running behind the same offensive lines. And you can, you can sit here and say, well, Jacques Rogers had his best game against the 49ers, who have the worst run defense in the NFL in the last 30 years. Um, but as their season body works go, Jacquez Rogers is getting 50% more yards than Doug Martin. So Doug's inactive. Jacquez Rogers starts. Jacquez wasn't great, uh, but he outperformed what Doug Martin has done. He had 63 carries on 15, sorry, 63 yards on 15 carries, had a touchdown, averaged better than four yards a carry. Doug has been worse than three yards a carry in five of the last six games. So, again, kind of validated that decision, but you have this whole like, hey, wait a minute, uh, you bench the guy making $7 million a year for the guy you found off the street in week one. So uh, you worried about uh, there being repercussions and aftermath. Uh, we talked to Doug Martin after the game, very respectfully said it's a coach's decision. I respect his decision. Obviously, you want to play. It's hard to sit there and watch, but uh, coaches have to be trusted to do what's best for the team. Uh, they all get ready as if they might have to start, so you got to support Jacques Rogers, that kind of thing. Now we find out, uh, and this could develop here as the day goes on, but looks like Doug might be inactive again on Sunday against the Panthers. Um, he is not hurt. They have gone so far as to go out and sign Russell Hansborough off the Giants practice squad. Uh, Russ has been like an emergency third or fourth running back uh, several times this year. Uh, so Russell Hansborough is in. It looks like Doug Martin is inactive. And now the question is whether or not this impacts next season. Either. I mean, Doug Martin had a contract, $35 million contract that had like $15 million guaranteed. So if the Bucks are walking away from Doug Martin, uh, they're going to be paying him like $7 million not to play next year, which would be fairly drastic. They could do that if they were convinced he was not the answer, even as a backup. You know, you could pay him that same money to not play, have him sit on the bench and be a backup to whoever you think is better, just in case that guy gets hurt. Uh, but... Uh, we'll find out here quickly how, how big a deal this is with Doug Martin, how big a rift there is between him and the future of this team. Uh, so that'll be interesting. This is a week where you could see some personnel moves. Uh, usually the teams wait until after the season to sign what are called futures contracts. You can sign your practice squad players to them. Gets an early start on 2017. Uh, sometimes you'll see teams that know they're out of playoff contention or know they're reasonably out of playoff contention. Uh, somebody like Will Golston, who is newly injured, there's little expectation of him playing. If the Bucks want to, they can put Will Golston on IR, which opens up a roster spot, and they can promote a practice squad player 
onto the active roster, which gets them signed for next season. Uh, limits the chance of somebody else kind of jump in uh, a week, I guess Monday, and uh, and trying to sign them away. So it, it's something they did last year. They had three guys they did this with last year. None of them ended up being huge players for them. But uh, it is something the Bucks have done in the past. It's something I expect them to do this year. We'll have lots more on that. we got three more podcasts this week. Uh, getting ready for the Panthers at home and all that kind of stuff. But just want to wrap things up here. Uh, sorry for having Monday off, but a happy holiday to everybody, and thanks for listening today. We'll be back on Wednesday, but that will wrap things up today uh, for the Tampa Bay Times, tampabay.com. This is Greg Allman. Thanks again for listening to the Locked on Bucks podcast. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At MetroPCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to MetroPCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. MetroPCS. Wireless. Figure it out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.